Digitization of European cultural heritage also means online access to cultural material and digital preservation. Many international platforms exist to make digitized work from around the world accessible. In this episode, we identify digitalization standards and their benefit for the cultural sector. By the end of this episode, you should know where to start. Cultural Heritage 2.0 My name is Madeleine Habich. I'm part of the Erasmus Plus project Cultural Heritage 2.0. My interview partner for today is Stefan Seppe from the University of Music and Performing Arts Vienna. Hello, Stefan. Hello, Madeleine. Thanks for getting me into this call today, into this podcast. Thank you for taking part um, in this podcast. Would you like to briefly introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, um, I'm Stefan Sepia. I'm the digital asset manager uh, and head of the MDV repository at the MDV, the University of Music and Performing Arts in Vienna. So I'm heading basically all the tasks uh, in planning and developing the institutional repository and focusing also on concepts of digitization, um, long-term preservation and tasks involved in these processes. You already mentioned um, digitization and what we're talking about today is digitalization standards. So how can digitalization standards help cultural heritage institutions from your point of view? Well, currently, basically, digitization uh, is going on in all the institutions out there, at least in Austria. So everywhere we have this, that digitalization strategies appear at the different universities, because currently these projects are heavily funded. But the challenge with it, without standardizations uh, on a broader scope, so not on a university level, but at least on a national level, even better on international levels, you're constantly struggling with the typical reinventing the wheel problem. So everybody's doing the same things, trying to get uh, the most out of it. But in terms of interchangeability, interoperability, you need uh, standardized content, you need standardized metadata to exchange all these digitized content with each other. And in order to ensure quality and quality levels, basically you need to define how to get them, how to achieve them. And this is basically on the levels of the metadata, then the data itself, a little bit also about processes on how to get the data. It's it's on a bigger thing. And then there's high-level concepts like open archival information systems, this ISO standard and OIS. And altogether, these things is then basically what makes the big picture of the standards that you need in that field in order to have successful digitization projects. When, for example, there was this report on the organization and IPR in European museums from the network of European museums organizations, it was back in July 2020. And there basically they said that the main digitization challenge was that there's insufficient money and stuff or the time of the stuff. And that's exactly where this comes in place, that if you have guidelines, if you have standards, if you have recommendations, if you learn each other from the best practices, you can save quite a lot on, on that things to avoid that kind of challenges that we are all facing. 
So let's take a look on the highest level. So on the highest level, basically we are focusing on concepts. There's this open archival information system, which is basically the key standard in repositories, institutional ones, at least in universities. And this is basically like a system where you submit information, which is basically structured in submission information packages. Then you have the archival information packages and you have distribution packages. And in information package is always the basis for everything in this project. And when you have this open information system, then you're basically talking about uh, transfer metadata. For example, METS is there the, the key standard for that. And tracking of preservation, then you're talking about premies. So these are basically the two metadata standards that we'll encounter when we are focusing on implementations of the standard. OS itself doesn't say anything about any standards. It's just a concept. And the way it is implemented is differently. On the European Archival Records and Knowledge Preservation Project in the EU, there was a specification for a submission information package done, which basically includes the files that are included in there. Importantly, checksums of the files, so that we know that the file that we have locally is basically the same that is available on the server and can be tracked, so that we have a minimum level of uh, preservation, bit-level preservation, so that we can at least say the, the file that we got is the same still and hasn't changed. We didn't have bit rot or anything like that. It doesn't say anything about if we can ever open this file again, if we can use it. This is a different part in the preservation process. So just digitization or having one digital content doesn't guarantee at all that this thing is useful in the future in any form. So when we are talking about these things, uh, we have then this common specification for information packages, which is basically the new standards on the European level for providing these information packages. But there's also other developments like the typical old school bag it format, which is basically coming from the, from the National Archives in the, in the US, Library of Congress, sorry. We are using this one at the MDV with our repository. What we also use is the research object grades for handling data sets. In general, this is nothing different than a bag, which in the bag is just uh, files inside a um, zip archive with checksums that it has all the information. And in the research object rate, we also have additional metadata embedded. And this metadata there focuses on requirements of researchers with data sets there that you have to include licenses and you use licenses like from the SPDX license list. You assign the researchers by using the ORCID's IDs to identify them. Universities are identified via the raw ID. So you're using external identifiers to identify the authorities and entities inside this file. And this takes us basically to the next thing. So in order to have data exchangeable and interchangeable with others, on the metadata level, you need unified standards and also not just the standard itself, but also information about the semantics of what kind of metadata do you track. Um, the best thing is to use controlled vocabularies, thesauri, taxonomies, that are state-of-the-art in the various disciplines. And then you use virtual authority files, VF or even Wikidata is currently really common to denote like what's a person, a place, whatever in there to uniquely identify it so another system will understand the same as you on this metadata record entry.
So then we take it to the level below. We have got data inside this archive. And this data, we have to do at least some basic checks. What kind of data is injected there? Pronom is the database designed to store information on software application and file formats. And Pronom is a technical registry maintained by the Digital Preservation Department of the UK National Archives. And then there's tools like Secret or Droid, the Digital Record Object Identifier, or FIDO from the Open Preservation Foundation, which is a format identification for digital objects tool, which will then evaluate the files that you have inside your system towards this Pronom database. Then there's more tools like JHOF for format identification and other things. The list can go on. There's the tools out there. And it's an ever-changing system, so new tools emerge once in a while. And But these are the heavily adopted ones. And then there's the bit list of digital endangered species by the Digital Preservation Coalition, which is published since 2017, which will give you a broad overview of what is currently uh, vulnerable, severely endangered, or low prior endangered. And they don't focus really on the, on the formats itself, but on the bigger concepts around it. And when, for example, a risk of PDFA having problems, it's an archival uh, format of PDF documents, is getting at a higher risk for certain reasons, then it's better to keep an eye on it. One of the challenges for the future might be to translate this very prosa-written form of endangered digital species to something that is machine actionable in, in, in the future so that repositories can uh, interact with it. On the metadata side, we are really flexible. The European Europeana data model is basically the standard that we are aiming for to exchange content uh, with when we talk about cultural institutions. The EDM primer gives us basically the overview of what metadata has to be tracked in the systems and the way it has to be tracked. So this is like Europeana. It, cares about the metadata for the digital objects, but does not necessarily care how they are digitized or what how they have been done. In terms of digitization, you have different standards, like there's the Federal Agency Digitization Guidelines Initiative in the US, FATGI, or there's Metamorphose, for example, a venture between the National Library in, uh, and the National Archives in the Netherlands that uh, work on image digitalization and other standards. For example, the International Association of Sound and Audiovisual Archives gives you guidelines for the production and preservation of audio and video objects. There are standards out there that help you in the various disciplines that you have. Even though we have this, had this issue with the Film Academy, that the real main standard in the film industry is still lacking and missing. So there are certain areas that are really very well done with the digitization elements, and there are the other ones that are still lacking some, have some potential for improvement. You uh, mentioned a lot of standards already, and I'm very interested. If you're absolutely new to the topic and you want to start to know more about those standards, where would you start to, to get some knowledge about this? Well, it depends on the discipline. So on the overall side, on how the concept of, uh, of repositories and archival systems work, still the OAS standard is basically the thing to start with. And aside from the OAS reference model, basically the ISO specification that is freely available in the original Magenta book version, 
the two books by David Jaretta, Thinking Digital Preservation and Advanced Digital Preservation, are basically following up on the concepts align are basically aligned uh, with this uh, concept of the OIS system. So this is basically a good starting point uh, for the big picture. In terms of uh, getting to know the European metadata elements, it's good to keep an eye uh, directly on the European websites to review their standards. When it comes to archiving, also the encoded archival description is still an important standard in terms of exchanging metadata for archival objects and the specifications from the ICA, like ESAT-G and other metadata standards that they have been issuing, this is basically a high-level practice. And just like the OIS model, all the OIS does say nothing about the technical implementation, it's about concepts and about what things you have to track. There, the archival world is rather slowly and steadily going, so you do not want to re-index a whole national archive with a new standard every two years, which is pretty common that new uh, standards in data sets and research data elements appear quite frequently now. So uh, the Arch National Archives think and, and Archive Solutions think in longer timeframes. So that's a good way to start. Then handling things on a file-based level like format uh, validation and things like that, better just try it out, give it a try. and. Honestly, without a little bit of technical skills, it's rather tough to do it. So a command line interface should be your friend, not your enemy, in order to go for that task. And in terms of digitization, it's about the standards that are applicable for the different disciplines. Do you want to digitize images? Do you want to digitize audio and video content? And there, it's always nice to see the best practices out there. But you also have to evaluate, is it really the quality level that I need for my content to be digitally preserved in that way? Because, for example, when we're talking about video content, the best practice would be to have uncompressed video elements. The point is, who can store it? Do you have all the storage volumes? Do you have all these elements available? In terms of digitization of images, do you have the scanning and photographing softwares available and cameras to do it the way it would be the ultimate best practice. Still, you can try to use like when you're doing the photographs that you use, for example, color bars that you see that the color accuracy is fine. The point is always, what are you doing the digitization for? Is it something that you do for a research project or for that researcher can work with these tools? Or is it to create actual reproducible uh, instances of of another object, then color accuracy and things like that are crucial. But in other terms, a little bit less on the quality side may be acceptable too. Maybe just um, a short, uh, because you mentioned Europeana for um, a few times already. Is there a common European approach on digitization standards for cultural heritage? If not, is there a movement towards such common standards? In the European Union, there was the recommendation on the digitalization and on the accessibility of cultural material and digital preservation, which started in 2011. The Commission launched an evaluation uh, of this recommendation in 2020. This goes by the name of Shaping Europe's Digital Future. And the main driver was the COVID-19 crisis, so that we were all focusing again on these topics. 
the key role in there is to reinforce the national strategies for the long-term preservation of digital material. And the commission then monitors the progress that the member states are making in terms of implementing the recommendation with the help of the expert group on digital cultural heritage and Europeana on the side. So the role of Europeana for the digital access, visibility and use, because materials should be used too, has been adopted by the EU Council of Cultural Ministers again in a recommendation in 2021. So it's basically that we have an international pioneer in terms of standardization of digital data in, for the field of cultural heritage, that we have an active involvement in the member states of the European Union, also like ongoing cultural and digital innovation projects with should be continuously expanded, and that we have a digital network between cultural heritage institutions, museums, libraries, archives, I see also like universities like us from the Musical University in Vienna that we also can participate heavily in it. As uh, Europeana basically works like this, that um, you have an institution that provides data to an aggregator on a national level typically, and that then ingests the data and provides this data to Europeana. So it is a multi-step model. In Austria, we have the Kulturpool Museumsbund, for example, we have projects where we can deliver data to. That's why we have this standardization that is going on. It's an ongoing process. On a different level, when we talk about the European Open Science Cloud, there's the Strategic Research and Innovation Agenda, which is also focusing on long-term preservation. And there's also a long-term data preservation task force. And I think from these points, there will be more, more output coming in the near future that will help us working on a more homogenized and standardized way in Europe to handle the data. So we have Europeana as a basis, but only on the metadata level. Nobody cares about the data so far because this is institutional bound. And on the other hand, we have this European Open Science Cloud that basically is on the open area side. We're talking about knowledge graphs and things like that. So we are having, we're having two tools together where we have to find ways to have the data really interchangeable. Standards exist, at least. And if they don't exist in Europe, they exist internationally. Maybe um, to, to close our talk on the topic, what are future perspectives on the topic of standards? Do you think there is something worth mentioning here that is coming in the future, apart from the European aspect you already mentioned? I think the, the field is steadily progressing in providing more standards. One of the key challenges that will be addressed for sure in the future is like how cultural institutions handle the IPR and rights topic a bit more. So Europeana already opened with the rights statements as an addition to typical licensing. But I think in this case, in, in this area, we'll see also some developments in the future now coming up for Europe so that we can preserve the cultural heritage materials better. On the other side, it's a constant progress that is evolving. And we, I think we will also see regular updates uh, on standards that are so far not really machine actionable. So I think in this area, we will see more development coming up in the future. Thank you, Stefan, for this very interesting talk today with you. And thank you for taking part in the Cultural Heritage Podcast. Thanks a lot. Thank you.
Culture 2.0.eu.